Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Michael David Clay on What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. Had a fellow come in the other day and basically say he was spent. Now, uh, I know what that means, <laughs> that phrase, he is spent or was spent or I've been spent. Uh, but I did not know exactly what he meant. And uh, as much as I then further inquired, I said, well, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and he said, I've given it my all. There's nothing left in the tank. I've left it all in the field. You know all the euphemisms that go with that. Uh, and I said, well, what's going on? And he proceeded to tell me. He said, uh, my life has just been very demanding of late. I've had demands in my job. There have been some family circumstances and situations. Uh, I've tried to keep up with all my other responsibilities. And don't we know <laughs> how busy life is for most of us? And uh, he was just lamenting. And maybe that was all it was, was a lament. Uh, I've done everything I can do, and I'm exhausted. I am tired. I am worn out. <laughs> I am spent. So what do you do when you're spent? Well, you have to realize that you couldn't be completely spent or you still wouldn't be here. I know that sounds a little insulting, but it's probably a good place to start. If you were entirely spent in a material dimension, that's what we call death. Uh, that really is all that it is, though. It is a moment, a place, where in context of time, and should add for good dimension, no pun intended, space. <laughs> that's when you are indeed entirely spent. But until you get to that point, it's really not over. <laughs> and as long as you're living and breathing and doing what he was with me, which is conversing, um, you're not spent. What he was really trying to tell me was he needed a break. He needed a moment of repose or repose uh, where he took a moment to recharge the batteries. <laughs> Another one of those euphemisms. Um, and he had not done so. Maybe he had not found, come to think of it, he was probably also trying to tell me he had not found an opportunity to do that. But certainly coming in to see me was such an opportunity, so I seized the moment. I said, well, let's talk about it. And as the conversation proceeded, again, proceeded or ensued, that's exactly what we did. Uh, we allowed him to talk about it. We allowed him to take all that had been going on, reflect upon it, allow the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, to sanctify it so that when he left, he wasn't completely rested, but it was a rest. It was a time of refreshment. Now, do you need to come see your local pastor, cleric, clerical, pastoral, um, minister, preacher, um, <laughs> behavioral health specialist. Um, I'm bivocational. I do both. I do pastoral as well as I do psychological counseling. Do you need to come see someone like that to be refreshed? 
Do you need to do that so that you could take a moment and reflect upon everything that's gone on in your life? It is true, too, that in that reflection, in that moment, if you can stop long enough, find a place, possibly it needs to also be said, safe enough where you can trust that all of our life experiences in a material regard are translated to spiritual <laughs> terms or commodity or um, currency, lack of a better way of saying it, so that we get the proper return on it. When your life is indeed entirely spent, it will be a matter of translation. You take what was otherwise materially expended and you give it to God and he translates it and he brings it back unto you in spiritual regards. Now, am I an oracle of God? That sounds like too much. No. Is your pastor an oracle of God? In that light, maybe no. Uh, The word of God certainly is oracle. Uh, Maybe your pastor is. Maybe I am. But only because God might be in us and we would know the word and That's the secret to translation. You can't really receive the spiritual return on that. You can't truly be translated except you would know the word, except you would know what it is that you're after, or that God really is after in you. Hopefully what you're after and what God's after is one and the same. Uh, That's what Jesus was. With full integrity, he lived his life worshiping God as he's instructed us to do, exampled for us to do, showed us to do. Because his will and his intention, his mind was turned toward that very thing, God's mind. And we know that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. But we also know in Jesus Christ, we become one in Jesus Christ with God and the Holy Spirit. So lest I think it be then that somehow Jesus was different than us, I have to be cautious in saying that because some would take that with some opportunity to say, well, that was Jesus and this is me. And on the other side of that, I also don't want to go so far as to say we're all Jesus. Because we know in our humanity, no one has done it like Jesus has done it. But fortunately, when we understand that setting our mind and our will, as Jesus did, to the mind and will of God, to know the word and then to live the word is really how translation occurs. It is that the body, whether we know the word of God or not, is going to be expended, spent. You're going to run out of energy at some point, period. Up to that point, you might feel like it, and emotionally, it is something that at times can truly feel like it's going to be the death of you, but it's not. And you will know when it is. But as much as, again, we would want to be, desire to be, pray to be, seek after God's mind, he sent his son Jesus so that he is seeking after ours for the purposes of, again, this reconciliation. He wants us aligned with him, maybe in a material regard, we could say, so we don't wear out. 
Don't grow weary in your well-doing. But at the same time, there is no way to heaven. There is no way to the spiritual dividend, the return, except that we would go through the word. And that that word would be one that's not only in our heart, as with the Holy Spirit, and that we don't work for. God has already given us life. It's our mind where the work takes place. We have to read the word of God so that it reframes all of our existence in a material regard so that we can understand it in spiritual terms and in that then allow what is in our heart to take precedent and change us. <laughs> Translate our experiences and literally transfigure us into Jesus. <laughs> now, lest again we approach that out of pride, there's nothing about me and my mortality or carnality, my humanity even, that is Jesus, except that Jesus would become one with me. I would put on the mind of Christ even as I read the word, and then I would act upon it. But you know, when you act upon it, you're going to get spent. <laughs> when, when you receive it and you take it in, you're also then going to, and acting upon it, give it out. Which seems to be the biggest struggle for most of us because it seems incredibly counterintuitive. If I've got it, why do I want to give it away? Because if I give it away, I don't got it. Wrong, you got it. But you don't have it in a material regard. Why? Because there will come a day when just as this gentleman who came to see me, will, you will say to yourself, where you'll have to say, where it will be said to you, well, time's up. Now, who gets to decide that? Decide that? Well, should. God should. Uh, people sort of try to take that away from God uh, by either taking their own life or taking others, slow or fast. Could be a slow burn, as they say, or it could be an immediate, I'm going to do it today, it's going to be the end of me. But that's really not yours to say, and even if you should do that, it really is still God's to determine, because whatever you were at the time of your death, that's all that you are materially. And whatever it was that was translated for your benefit while in the flesh does have a lot to say with how you approach and accept and receive not only the love of God, of Christ in you, the Holy Spirit in you, while still in the flesh, but particularly as you look at the hereafter. There's a lot of individuals who, in trying to save themselves, actually end up killing themselves. And you should you point that out in such an obvious way, don't be self-destructive. Realize that there's only so much you can do in your flesh. Take a moment of refreshment to remember the word of God said in the presence of others who believe, whether we're oracles or not. We could be, if only because we stand firm in the word. That's the oracle, the word. But if I'm in the word and the word is in me and I'm one with the word and the one is, word is one with me, then whatever comes out of me should be pretty close to the word, the oracle, the sentinel standard. But when somebody does what I'm doing today on the podcast, reminding you of what that is, it's an opportunity to find refreshment. 
You are taking at this moment an opportunity of repose. You're taking a break. God says, it's okay. Take a break. Some people have better experiences with that than others. Some of that's their fault. They don't know how. They don't know the word. They don't understand it fully. Maybe they understand it, but they understand it partially. Some of it is the fault of the situations and circumstances around us, them. Uh, Where's the Garden of Eden? (laughs) There's probably no place on earth that really even begins to measure up, certainly today, even more than it ever did, to that notion of perfect, calm, peace, nature. Everything's well put together. Everything is beautiful. Let's just stay here forever. Because that's really not even the way of the earth. (laughs) There is a point of translation for all material things, including the earth. It just takes a lot longer. Our lifespan is a lot shorter comparative to the earth. And whatever God does with the material (laughs) is beyond probably any human comprehension in the sense that whatever will happen, I'm not even sure humans will be around at the time. (laughs) So there's no way we would know. But what I do know is this. Even as you're listening to me now, You can take a moment. You can think about these things. You can remember who God is. You can remember his promises unto you. You can remember that he will never leave you short-handed. If he's called you to do something, he's going to empower you to do it. And should it even require your life, it's not the end. But along the way, he is more than willing to give you an opportunity to take a break. Now, you shouldn't gripe and complain too much, although, again, this gentleman that came to see me was in need of lament, lamentation, uh, expressing his grief. That's okay. We all have it. It's probably part of the human nature. It might even be part of translation because until we get through all those emotions, the equipment that God has given us in physical dimension to deal with the natural sort of struggles and stressors of life, until we work through all of that, we're really not going to be able to hear the word of God in the way that we need to for us to get that refreshment. That's why, again, the mind has to be calmed down by the word. That's why my mind, when I'm all upset and agitated, am am not thinking, is not thinking, I am not thinking, it is not thinking, In biblical terms. Oftentimes, again, it's just the opposite. Now, that is a meek and gentle spirit, but it doesn't come easy. The spirit's easy. Again, the work is in bringing the flesh into alignment, the mind into alignment. It doesn't have to be as hard as some who don't know the word, who've rejected the word, who've chosen to be angry and upset have taken righteousness into their own hands, made self-proclamations of judgment against other people, even judged themselves, not by a godly standard, not by godly oracle, but by their own sort of thoughts. They don't forgive. They're embittered. They don't think life's fair. God's not been good to them. There maybe isn't even a God, because if there was, it wouldn't be this hard. 
And I get that, but you gotta watch. And the other side of that are all those folks that come to you and say, oh, well, don't worry about anything. It's impossible. You're going to have moments like that, but you don't live in those moments. You pass through those moments. But you pass through those moments because you have the mind of Christ. You have the word of God, Old Testament mind of God. You have the New Testament mind of Christ. And with that, you have all that you need of the promises of God to step out of faith and act. But besides all of those bad negative things I mentioned earlier as a consequence of not enjoying this moment this time of repose, this Garden of Eden conversation experience between you and God. Maybe, hopefully, there's another that you share that with. It's called emptiness. It's called loneliness. It's called isolation. That is ultimately hell on earth (laughs) there's nobody there except you and you're mad at the world (laughs) you hate everyone and everything you've built such a wall up so that nobody else takes anything else from you (laughs) you're selfishly holding on to it all because you think they're going to wear you out and that you'll be spent to the point where you will not be able to live anymore. That's not true. (laughs) One, they can't do that if you give it away. And two, you're not going to die. God says, even if your body dies, even if your flesh dies, because of translation, Your spirit lives not only now, but eternally so as the Holy Spirit in Jesus the Christ. Really, it's in God. But Jesus brings us into him. We fellowship with him. Lament. Share your grief. Sit down and talk to someone such as myself. It's good. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. But unless you would open yourself up to, be receptive of that opportunity to have that conversation with someone, you're going to be alone. Your whole life is going to be spent alone. Now, physically, again, it's impossible to be too alone because there may be remote places still on the earth. There's not many of them, and most of of us don't have a ticket there. (laughs) I wouldn't know where they are. I'm not sure I'd want to go there. I think I would want to go there, but I'm not sure I'd want to go through all that had to be gone through to get there. You can be lonely with people all around you. Because you don't let anybody in. True, you keep all the evil out and all those that are unfortunately kind of in that same place. And um, I have to say it. There are more of them than there's going to be of you. But that's why God needs you. 
That's why God's given you the word. That's why he's put that spirit of life in you. That's why he filled you full (laughs) at the beginning. And he doesn't want you to run dry. That's why he offers you a rest. That's why he says it's okay to take a break. Press on, good soldier. But at the same time, everyone needs a break. And everyone needs Jesus Christ. Everyone needs the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Because it isn't just a matter then of knowing the mind of Christ or God and then doing it. We need to fellowship one with another because that's how in a personal human-needed dimension we need material comfort and love. God gave Eve Adam to Eve to Adam because he needed that. We need that. Does it have to be romantic? Not necessarily. Does it have to be sexual? Absolutely not. Does it have to be your husband? Absolutely not. Your wife? Absolutely not. It can be a good friend. There's something to be said about being a friend of God. Just ask the figures in the Old Testament, the icons of the Old Testament. It was considered privilege to be a friend of the king. He's still the king, but you're his friend. But no longer. Closer than a brother, which really means blood, I suppose. Blood is thicker than water, as they say. Because it's not your spouse, necessarily. It can be, should be. But there is something to be said about lineage. And all I'm trying to capture with that is not racism or racial. It is that we are one, all races, all peoples, all kinds in Jesus Christ. But you've got to let him in. You can't wall him out. And then those that come in the name of Jesus those that have material sort of expression of the Christ, those that are loving you out of the Holy Spirit. Maybe they're not perfect because we're all human, but they are all oracles of God. You should never go without a place of worship. Forsake not the assembling of the brethren. The brethren is as salt and light spread throughout. (laughs) Even so, the bad portion We bring Christ to the world. You, me, when we need him the most, just have to look for him. God does not withhold himself from us. One, his spirit abides within us, so we're ever more comforted from within. But again, we're human. We need person-to-person contact. We need to be able to communicate Share the word, share the experiences, create the narrative, write the storylines, line it up with the word of God, and the word leads us to no place but other than Christ. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into worship. And what is our worship? (laughs) It's our due service. But that's not bad. It's not like God's keeping a time clock somewhere or he's got cameras to watch what you're doing (laughs) so that you're working all the time. That's not the point. The worship is the ministry. But it is God's work. 
God does not need help, our help, to create things. He is the author and finisher, as is Christ, of all of his work, of this work, not us. We're part of it. We've been given privilege to uh, participate in it. I just have to be willing to give. And so much so, even as the Father, even as Jesus came to assure me of this one thing, God's character is to forgive. Not only after the fact, but before, in advance for, F-O-R-E, give. Because he gives us out of himself, but amazingly so, never runs out. He gives his all, and grace and mercy included to those who don't know him even, for the sake of life. And never runs out. How much then more you with word, word alive in you as one with Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit as returned unto God, translated now as much transfigured later on. How much more than you to give the same? You won't run out. It might feel like it, take a break, lament, study the word, get the promise of life down. That's the word. Redemption, resurrection, salvation. Those are important words. But in the end, when the end comes, you're still not going to die if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. Give it all away. Leave it all in the court (laughs) or the field. It's not going to kill you. Don't do it unwisely. Do it as with the unction and guidance and leading of the Holy Spirit, but do it, do it, do it, do it. Or you're going to be, as they say, the walking dead. (laughs) Dead man walking. God doesn't want that for us. Accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior brings life to you in all measure and manner and way. But even more than our mind, Jesus brings life out of our heart again. It's the secret to life. It's the secret to eternal life. But guess what? It's not a secret. God wants everyone to know. The only person who wants to keep it secret would be that person who is not really of God, son of perdition, of the devil himself. And why is that? Because he's already in hell. And I'm not talking hell on earth. He'd like to create hell on earth. But there is a literal place you do not want to be there. If you think you've got it bad now, in all of these dimensions or terms we've discussed today, wait until you get there then. How do I know? Well, fortunately, I've not lived it. I just know the word of God, and I have 
total trust and belief in it. And particularly Jesus. He is my risen Savior. He's alive within me. I feel him now. You do too. But don't let the devil steal that from you. Because this is life. And we've just taken probably the most precious of all breaks. <laughs> You've listened to me to the end of the podcast. And guess what? We're here. <laughs> this is where healing takes place. If you need it, reach out. Don't stay behind the wall. Let others in. And even if they're not pastoral counselors, Christian counselors, psychological counselors, um, <laughs> if they're a Christian, they know Jesus and he's there. He's there. The word says it doesn't require you go to see that type of higher up. You just have to be in agreement. Two or more gathered together in his name and he's there. But should you want to come see someone like me, you're certainly welcome to. Should you feel like you don't have that right now, that person to turn to, it's okay. <laughs> Forsake not the assembling of the brethren. Go to church. Come to see me. Visit a pastor. <laughs> Watch him on TV. I do believe the word of God can be anointed even if it's odd whatever your form. I used to watch TV. They don't watch TV anymore. These days, people do whatever. Their YouTubes, whatever, podcasts like these, whatever it is, whatever form of social media is available, the Word of God can use that too. But there's nothing like being sitting down and being face-to-face -face in person with another living soul. I always post our email address should you want to get a hold of us. Again, my name is Dr. Michael David Clay, and you are listening to What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry? And I hope you receive not only the greatest, richest blessings of God in his love as given unto you by Christ Jesus through the Holy Spirit, but that you share that with another person until we meet again. Hope to see you soon. Again, this is Dr. Michael David Clay on what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. Thanks. <laughs>